Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. Our guest tonight is Heather Castleman with Trelleborg. Heather, how are you doing? Hey, I'm pretty good, Vinny. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for us. Okay. Good to, even though you and I are socially distant and doing this virtually, it's good to see that you're in Fort Wayne because you spend a lot of time traveling in an average year, correct? Yes, that's that's right. Prior to COVID, um, pre-COVID times, it was regular for me to be traveling to our different sites um, all around the world, really, um, maybe as much as three times a month um, for some some months. But yeah, that all stopped in February, and we've really had to innovate and still be able to connect with people um, around the world as a result of the the travel restrictions. So yeah, I'm I'm here in Fort Wayne and have been for for many many months now. Yeah. So, so typically, where is it that you tend to travel with your work? We'll get into that a little bit more. But what are some of the spots where you where you find yourself going most often in a typical uh, time? Yeah. So my my team and I travel. Or we're we're geographically dispersed. So um, I've got team members that are here in Fort Wayne. I've got some that are in um, Schaumburg. Some that are in Illinois. Some that are in Portland, Oregon. Um, up in uh, Wisconsin. So we're, we're kind of geographically distributed as a team. Um, but then also my team and I support all of our sales and marketing offices um, in the Americas. So North, South and Central. Um, so a lot of the traveling was designed to support those organizations. Uh, but I also serve on some global teams and those are meeting in uh, either Stuttgart, Germany or uh, other places in Europe. So mostly the travel is uh, either throughout the Americas or also into into Europe. Wow. Well, that's that's impressive and, and looking forward to hearing a little more about that. Well, as you know, on this podcast, we talk really about three things, one being your career path, another being the organization you work for, and then talk a little bit about some of the projects you're working on, some of the things that are top of mind with you right now. And I want to start with career path. You and I go back to a time when you worked at Do It Best Corp over 16 yeah. years ago now, I think. You have some history before mm -hmm. that. I was doing my, my prep work, which basically amounts to about five minutes of looking at your LinkedIn profile. And <laughs> I guess I forgot that you grew up in a different part of the world and, and, um, and migrated here. So tell me a little bit about, if you can take us back to your life in New York, if I'm right, and then kind of talk about how you ended up here and how you ended up doing what you're doing today. Sure, sure. Um, I went to college in Rochester, New York at Rochester Institute of Technology and graduated from there with a degree in professional and technical communications. And I had a minor in film and video production. And um, I didn't live in Rochester before that. I graduated from high school in Ohio and, um, you know, just seemed to click. RIT just seemed to click with me and um, the type of program I was looking for because I wanted it to be a combination of um, marketing and communications, but then also that film and video side, I felt that that complemented really well. Um, so programmatically, it was a good fit, but it also felt really good just from a um, like kind of a culture perspective. Um, I enjoyed the college and that was really good for me. Yeah, and this was when video was a special piece of equipment that you would carry on your shoulder and not something you would carry in your pocket, correct? Yeah, yeah, you're reminding me that that was like 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so you grew up then in what part of Ohio? Um, uh, Northeast Ohio, Alliance. So anybody anybody that's a football fan out there, the Pro Football Hall of Fame was only 30 minutes from where I live. All right, okay. So Rochester, not too far from that part of Ohio. 
Yeah, about five and a half hours, six hours. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you earn that degree, and then then what's next? Where do you go from there? Yeah. So I uh, I stayed in Rochester actually, and I worked for my first uh, my first job out of college was for a small manufacturing company, and I was doing all of their kind of marketing communications materials. So um, you know brochures. Um, we did a little bit in terms of it, because it was a small operation. We did some. Uh, customer test reports and um, just kind of customer direct kind of um, marketing materials. And um, I was there for a little while. um, And then I moved on to a private Catholic school in Rochester, um, doing all of their public relations and um, and kind of um, new student acquisition. So getting involved in in marketing the school to families and kids um, that were seeking a private uh, education. Okay. All right. And then how'd you end up in, how'd you end up at doing Best Corp? Cause that's the next step if I remember correctly. Right. And that seems like, a well, there's one, in, there's one in the middle. Okay. Yeah. There's one in the middle. And so, um, so I, uh, I decided that at that point that I needed to, um, move back to Indiana. At that point, my parents had moved to Indiana, um, from Ohio actually when I was in college, but it's a, you know, it's much longer trip to get from Rochester to, you know, Northeast Indiana. Um, and so I thought it was better to be closer to my family. Um, and that was kind of a leap of faith for me. I, um, I didn't have a job that I was coming to here. Um, but I thought, you know, what's a better place to try to find a job than in an employment agency. (laughs) And so, um, I was, I got a part-time job working at an employment agency here in town. Um, and my little gamble there kind of paid off, um, a couple of months after that. Um, I got a job working for a business consulting company, and I, I served in that role for a year and a half um, and was traveling all around the kind of the Midwest area, um, working in support of um, different project teams that this consulting company was was doing. Um, and that's really, I kind of joke, that's where I got my unofficial MBA because <laughs> I learned a lot about business <laughs> as well as the role that marketing um, and communications can play in helping businesses execute on their strategies. So um, that was a really good opportunity. And then after that, the opportunity at Do Best uh, came up, and that's um, that's how I then um, started working for a company here that was local to in Fort Wayne. Okay, all right. So that's kind of a winding road, but typical of what we've heard from others. And and I'll just mention <laughs> that. Um, while this podcast is very young, we've had a lot of folks with Do It Best connections. Ben Wally was a guest recently, um, who now has moved on to real estate. Uh, mm-hmm. Dick Murphy was a recent, who I know you worked with at Do It Best Corp. Um, Randy Rusk. I worked with Ben too. I yeah. worked with Ben too. And yeah. Randy Rusk was was on the show not too long ago. So Do It Best uh, alumni are kind of dominating the show. So tell me a little <laughs> bit about what you, I know you had a couple different roles, if, if my memory is right, at Do It Best Corp. Tell me how you progressed there, because you were there for quite some time, what you did and, and what that looked like. Yeah, sure. Um, I was there for about seven years. Um, started off as the video, um, the in-house video studio supervisor. Uh-huh. So I was responsible for all of the video production, um, writing scripts for various things, either um, internal training videos or um, also any kind of special event videos that we did, um, you know, executive speech writing, that kind of thing. Um, And then a couple of years after I was there, um, I was promoted to being the marketing communications manager 
um, which is how I got involved with uh, Astro Agency, yep. Um, yep. which really expanded the the scope in terms of um, doing um, industry advertising, um, annual report production, media press release press relations, and that kind of stuff. So. Okay. All right. And, and obviously a, a global company, a big company, where it sounds like previously, you know, you'd work, work for smaller entities. What was that transition like working for a larger company? Um, you know, the thing that made it a little bit easier was that transition from having worked in consult, business consulting to, um, to going to do a best corp. So a lot of the companies that we were consulting with um, in that engagement were larger corporations. Um, and so I was able to get a feel for um, what it was like to work in a larger business as a part of those consulting experiences. So it was a little bit easier of a transition, um, but certainly getting to learn um, the corporate culture and how you navigate through that, I think, is um, is a relevant kind of topic, regardless of the size of the organization. So it was certainly a learning curve to get to know um, the business model, and then start to be able to communicate in ways that connected with the different audiences that we had um, in that business. Okay, so seven years at Do It Best Corp, and then, if I'm not mistaken, from there you moved on to the company you're working for today. So tell us a little bit about why you made that transition. Did they find them? Did you find them? How did that all work? And only share what you're comfortable sharing, but how'd you end up at Trello yeah. Morgan? What does is, what is that look like? Yeah, so, um, you know, irony of ironies, um, the very same uh, placement agency that I worked with when I first made my move to Indiana um, kind of called me out of the blue and said that they were recruiting for um, the, a position at Trello Board for a, um, a marketing manager and, you know, wondered if that would be something that I would be interested in. And um, I, I wasn't looking for a job. I, you know, I had no, no, no real interest in, in leaving um, Do It Best. I enjoyed the time that I had been spending there. Um, but the thing that intrigued me um, was the opportunity to work in, a, um, you know, another really global organization. So, you know, while, while um, Do It Best had ties to different parts of the world, um, they were predominantly a, you know, kind of America's based company. Um, with Trelleborg, America's was viewed, the, in the United States in particular, was viewed as a growth market for them. So the majority of their business was over in Europe um, with additional sales in, in, in Asia. And so, you know, that was an experience that I thought would be very interesting. You know, here working for an organization or a corporation that viewed my home geography yeah. as a growth opportunity sure. um, and, you know, being a part of that. So, um, so that was the kind of the hook that got me interested and, um, you know, and here I am uh, almost 17 years later. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Trelleborg because, you know, when you say do it best corp, I think most people, especially in Northeast Indiana, they have a sense of what that is because it has a consumer side where you see the stores, you know it's hardware, you know it's um, you know something that people are familiar with. Trelleborg probably much more of a mystery to the average person. So tell me, what does Trelleborg do? What are the products that the company um, offers, and and how do you explain it to people? Yeah, so um, it typically, you know, when people ask me where I work, um, you know, like you say, the it's either a blank stare or, you know, like, what do you do? And um, we're a global manufacturer 
of sealing products like O-rings, gaskets, diaphragms, um, a component manufacturer that then goes into other systems that, you know, make equipment um, yep. work, basically. Yep. Um, and, you know, one of the things we're kind of fond of saying is that um, you never really know about the seal or the gasket, the products that we manufacture, um, you know, but you are never less than, you know, 20 feet away from one of them. So we've got products that are in um, nearly every automobile, every commercial aircraft, um, you know, all the way to blenders and, um, you know, food applications, semiconductor markets. So um, into multiple industries, multiple applications, um, but it's uh, it's kind of a component part that really makes a lot of these systems work the way they need to. And, and headquarters for Trelleborg are where? So our, our main headquarters for our, our entire corporation is in Stuttgart, Germany. Okay. Um, but our but our America's headquarters is right here in Fort Wayne. Um, we actually have um, you know approaching 300 uh, employees here in in town, and we um, have those spread out over a couple of different buildings throughout the city. Okay, so you know most people have never had the experience of working for a global company. What's what's that like? And again, share only what you're comfortable sharing, but some of the challenges that people might not expect, and some of the good things about it. One of the first things that um, that kind of struck me working for the company was um, that while you know we're headquartered in a different country, um, our corporate language is English, and so. Um, so it made communicating um, really fairly easy for me as a native English speaker who doesn't speak um, well in another language. But the, the thing that was also interesting to me and that I have to keep reminding myself even to this day is that when I'm speaking with global colleagues, their English is so good, you kind of forget that they're speaking English as a second language. Yeah. So it really forces you to slow it all down <laughs> and yeah. make sure that they have time to process through what you're communicating um, and, uh, and doing it in a way to make sure that your message is being heard. So um, that's been something that was a, a key learning for me getting started. And it's something I have to keep reminding myself um, even today. All right. Yeah. Yeah. What are what, if any, can you identify any challenges you've faced, things that, again, might be unexpected or kind of quirky challenges that you've experienced working for a global company? Well, I mean, I think the geography certainly works against you for sure. Like you can't yeah. just go over and, you know, talk to somebody at their desk and, you know, and exchange information. And so um, so we do um, have a, a program, actually, that um, that's been in existence for a couple of years now called One TSS. And the idea is that we're, you know, we're really focused on that collaboration and working together across the different um, business units within our company um, to really do and take decisions that are in the best interest of the corporation. And, and, um, and I think that's a really good program because it, it forces that collaboration and that communication when um, geography really plays a factor in being able to do that just kind of naturally. Sure, sure. So, so another thing I'd like to hear a little bit more about, I um, mean, you've mentioned this briefly, but I'd like to expand upon it. Um, you know, it's a, it's a large company, it's an industrial company, it's a manufacturing company. Talk about, if you can, your role and the team you work with. How does that fit into the big picture? Yeah, so um, my team is approaching 50 people now, um, and we have a lot of different elements that we're responsible for in support of the um, Americas. 
um, everything from acquisition integration and project management to um, you know supporting new sales channels to market, um, as well as a service you know the service side of our business. Um, but the thing that holds my whole team together um, is that we are um, really working at building capabilities that can that the business can rely upon in the future to drive growth. So, um, so it's about kind of taking what doesn't exist and figuring out how to create something that's sustainable um, and then be able to effectively promote and communicate that out to our customer base. Okay, all right. So you mentioned 50 people on your team. Do you actually oversee all 50 of those or, or how many of them are your direct reports? Yes, I have 10 direct reports, and wow. then um, depending on the, the different ways that the, the teams kind of sh shake out, it's anywhere from a couple of people that report to the direct report, or um, the largest side has about 14, I think, in it. So, so how much of your time do you spend managing and helping other people do their job versus actually doing your job and the hands-on stuff you need to do? How do you subdivide that? Yeah, so um, uh, Trelleborg, all of our managers are working managers. So, you know, in addition to, to leading your team, um, you're also responsible for, um, you know, for getting your own work done. And I'm really blessed with a with a great set of team members. Um, and I, it's a privilege to be able to lead and work with all of them on a daily basis. So really where I get involved with my team, um, because it's new capabilities and we haven't necessarily done them before, it's really helping like kind of remove obstacles, keep things moving forward in a productive way and really helping them, you know, do their roles, um, you know, whenever there's a problem or something that needs to be resolved. So, so that's kind of my role with them um, from a management perspective. But then in terms of my own responsibilities, um, I get involved in working with our, our president um, in establishing our strategy and then working to execute it. So, that's a large part of the work that I do for the business and, and then working cross-functionally with other team members to um, help them understand our business strategy and, and secure resources for places where we might need help and support. So a lot of my roots and communications I draw on every day um, in you know, helping the business move forward successfully. So, so with all that, how was your team interaction, how was your work affected by the events of the last year, by the coronavirus pandemic? What changed and, and how were you able to adapt as a team and as, a, as an organization? Yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a challenging year for sure because I tried to get around to each of, I, I said that we're a geographically distributed team and I try to get around so that I can meet in person with um, you know, all members of those teams. And then we also try to get together as a, as a big team at least once a year just to help facilitate, um, you know, communication and fostering a sense of team spirit among the group. Um, but, but that was, you know, all paused um, in 2020. Um, so we did a couple of things that were innovative, um, it, not necessarily innovative in general, but just innovative for our team um, in the past. And um, we do something, I implemented something called Together Tuesdays. Uh, we do this pretty much every other week. Um, but we just get on a call just like this and um, and we talk, um, turn on our videos, you know, video cameras and, um, you know, we just talk about things, not necessarily work related. So, you know, it could be that one uh, today, we actually had one earlier today um, and we, we were doing um, some new team member introductions and 
um, just kind of getting a feel for things that we like to do and experiences that we've had and just a little bit of informal sharing just so that we can connect together as people. Um, I think part of the challenge we've seen with the with the virus is this isolation that you might have, um, you know, and not and not having that um, regular interaction. So we try to do some things that kind of break that up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's actually one of the things that inspired us starting this podcast is even if, you know, just connecting with people in two dimensions is better than not at all. You know, another mm -hmm. thing I've seen in my professional life, I don't know if this has been true in yours, is that you almost get a better quality of understanding of your coworkers in an environment like this one, because day to day, you're mainly focused on, you're seeing them at work, you're focused on their work persona, and you're talking about work stuff with the occasional part of their life finding its way in. But when they're in that home setting, it kind of forces the issue of, oh yeah, this person has pets and kids and a spouse and all of that kind of is, is right in front of you. And I think it leads to more substantive conversations. At least that's been my experience. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that um, our president did that was really um, very, very different and we never would have done it normally was that typically we all get together for business planning meetings in the early December kind of time horizon um, just to make sure that we kick off the new year in a really positive way. And, and then she takes us out for a really nice team dinner. Well, we've never involved families in that. So what she did this year was that we were all on a call just like this with our families, with uh, like we all ordered from Grubhub or waiter on the way here in town and, uh, and we all had dinner together. But we never would have done that if we weren't in this environment and it wouldn't have never even thought, you know, wouldn't have even been something we thought of to do. So that was really neat because we did get to meet each other's families um, you know, we had a little bit of a uh, game that we played with each other and it was just a really nice kind of bonding time, you know, at a very, very family oriented level. So well, it was great. a great time. Well, great. And hopefully Kent represented you well at that event. And, and <laughs> <laughs> he did. He yeah. did. He and Ellen did a great job. <laughs> well, yeah. Good. You've trained them well. Well, yeah. one of the things that, um, you know, the, the folks who listen to this podcast really like hearing about is any projects, anything you're working on right now that's sort of a big rock, something that's on your mind. It could be keeping you up at night. It could be making you excited. It could be simultaneously keeping you up at night and making you excited. Obviously, only share you know stuff that's non-proprietary, but what are some of the things you're working on that are taking up a lot of your headspace and your time uh, now and into the next you know few months? Yeah, a lot of it has to do with, um, with my team, actually. Um, uh, one of the things that I really try to do as a as an emphasis and as a manager is to help people realize their career objectives as well. So um, a lot of focus on development when you're a member of my team. And uh, two, actually two members of my team were just promoted within the last um, couple of months. And so I've got, you know, new team members that I'm onboarding and um, and we're really focused on trying to bring the team, you know, the my team of direct reports together as a group and get that kind of form. So uh, a lot of what I'm thinking about are right now is in relation to that team dynamic. Um, and, you know, again, kind of calling on my communication skills to try to make that happen, um, you know, just so that we, we form a really solid connected group um, and, you know, we feel comfortable relying on each other to help move the objectives of the business. Forward. So, um, that's something that I'm working on right now. Um, we're also in the middle of um, implementing a, a strategy where we're um, 
implementing some new channels to market. So um, we're establishing an authorized distribution network as well as um, an e-commerce um, platform so people can buy our products uh, online. And both of those are um, you know, working real closely with that channel team to uh, make that strategy a reality. So, and that's been going very, very well. So is that brand new? Did your customers have the opportunity to do reorders online in the past or is this all starting from scratch? Yeah, this is all starting from scratch. And, you know, I know in, in this day and age, it seems kind of odd that, that you have a company that doesn't have a, an e-commerce kind of platform, but we're really a, a business to a B2B kind of a corporation. And, um, and so a lot of that customer service was being done um, all through a single direct channel. Um, and what we're trying to do now is uh, be a little bit more efficient and find ways to serve different portions of the market um, in ways that will actually deliver a better customer experience than lumping all of those customers into a single channel. So that's the crux of our channel strategy and um, something we're in the middle of implementing right now. Yeah, well, that sounds like a, an ambitious and, and hopefully fulfilling project when it's all done. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Any other any other big things on your mind? Any other projects that are kind of top or top of your list these days? Yeah, we um, toward the end of last year, we just went through a um, you know a fairly substantial reorganization um, where we you know, and this was also in support of our channel approach, but um, just trying to get a better better arms around um, roles and responsibilities through the organization, and so. Um, you know, we now have a dedicated team that's responsible for customer service and we have a dedicated team that's for sales and um, our technical support and um, and really just getting that kind of embedded and, and um, getting those roles really well defined and, cha you know, changed as we go forward has uh, been a large part of our work from last year and into this year. So um, we're already seeing benefits from the kind of the structural changes we put into place there. Um, where we're just being able to empower uh, people um, throughout the organization to do what they need to to take care of the customer, which is, you know, really a, um, what we try to do every day. Yeah. So it sounds like you're spending, you know, a decent amount of time on projects that are happening now and into the future, but also building for the long term, making sure that the business has the right talent in place to be successful down the line. That's a bit of a balancing act there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in our organization, we have kind of two places that we think about. One is working in the business, so our existing capabilities that we have to take to satisfy customers, grow sales. But then we also have a large portion of our thought process that's on working on the business. How do we make it better? What capabilities do we need to satisfy customers, not just now, but um, for the long term, and ultimately create a sustainable organization um, you know, we're really big into capability development here. We want to make sure that the, the systems and processes we put in place today will be able to, um, you know, help sustain the organization on into the future. Yeah. Well, well with that in mind, I, I want to switch to our sort of uh, speed round of the show where we synthesize the three questions we talked about. And, and that's a good segue into the first one. It has to do with career path. You told us a lot about your background and, and really a, a fascinating story of twists and turns and kind of how those transitions happen. But if you were talking to someone, you know, maybe it's even your, your daughter or maybe it's someone who aspires to work for a larger company and you had to give them one piece of career advice, what, what's the one thing you would tell someone about being successful or fulfilled or both in, in your career? Yeah, so um, a, a previous manager of mine 
once told me that at some point I'd be faced with a choice. And that would be to be whether I was loyal to my profession or I'm loyal to a company. And I've actually faced that uh, decision twice in my career. Um, and, you know, that person was kind of spot on in that assessment. And so, um, so I guess one thing that I would just say to, um, to anybody is to, you know, to, to think about that as they're making decisions with their career over the long term, because um, you can be loyal to your profession and you can have a very rewarding career just staying true to that domain but you can have an equally rewarding career if you're willing to kind of open your lens a little bit and see a, a broader perspective of the different opportunities that might exist within a company as well. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's something that I found was really telling and um, a good piece of advice I got and, you know, and certainly something that I think would be relevant for people going forward. Yeah. Well, well thanks for that. Now the, the next one, you've already answered somewhat because you're in the communication business and have a history in communication. So you do this all the time. But if someone were to stop you and say, okay, I've, you've got a minute, you've got two minutes. Tell me very briefly, what is this thing called Trelleborg? How would you describe it? Yeah, we're a global company, a global manufacturing company that uh, manufactures high precision seals, gaskets, and O-rings for very demanding applications from the seabed all the way up into outer space um, and everything in between. Um, so that's a little bit about what we do. You're never more than 20 or so feet away from one of our products. You just don't know it. Very well said, very concise, and an excellent example of concise communication. Good job. <laughs> all right, last, last question. You know, these are challenging times in a number of different ways. You've got an interesting perspective working for a global organization. A lot of people are, are struggling in a number of different ways, whether it's balancing, you know, work and family as, as you do, um, working in an environment where there's a lot of uncertainty, economic downturns, shifts in customer demands. What's some of your best advice for people to persevere, to, you know, stay optimistic and maybe see brighter days ahead with the times we're going through right now? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that we try to do on my team is we talk a lot about outcomes. Um, and, and that can be around anything. You know, it's it's not just a business outcome. It's, you know, it could be a it could be a personal outcome. It could be feeling good about accomplishing something. And I think especially in this day and age, having that resiliency and being able to to kind of take a step back out of the day to day and say, here's what I accomplished. It gets you a feeling like you are being very productive, that you're contributing in a good way to the, the um, company that you're a part of or, you know, your family life, um, anything like that. So if you kind of focus on outcomes and, and the way things that are moving forward, I think it can help a lot in just focusing on the future um, and, uh, and recognizing that there are going to be um, brighter days and, um, and good things ahead. So that's kind of the way that we've been approaching it on my team. And I feel like it's been pretty helpful. Yeah, that's that's really insightful. You know, I, I always say that in today's environment, you can feel like the work is never done. You know, you always go home and there's another email you could answer. There's another article you could read. You get home and obviously the work of being a parent never ends. So it's easy to feel like you're never getting anything done. One of the things when, when I'm hitting all my marks I'll start my day with a list of usually five or six things and say, if I get these done, today is a good day and, and not focus on the 94 things I didn't do, but say, okay, 
what I agreed to do today, I got that done and, and that feels like a win when that happens. So, so yeah, I like mm-hmm. that advice. Anything you'd add to that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's pretty good. And you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, the key part for me has always just been trying to connect and um, you know, and really get that understanding with, with the people that I'm around. And, and when we can start from a, a point, a shared point of, you know, thinking about where we're at and, you know, and really taking time to appreciate how far we've come. I think it's, I think it's a good day. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, Hey, one thing I was going to do today was this podcast episode. So we did that. If nothing else, we've accomplished (laughs) one thing on my list and maybe it was on your list too. So thanks for doing it. It sure was. It sure was. It's great to see you even if only in two dimensions and hopefully uh, we can see each other sometime in the real world someday soon. Thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciate hearing about your background and the Trello Borg story. Thanks, Anthony. I love it. And uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Take care. You too. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another great guest, and hope to see you then.